This morning, the, I have this opportunity to preach. And, and uh, a few weeks ago when Phil gave me the verses I'm going to be using, I thought, man, that's not very many verses. What am I going to do? And uh, of course, God's Word doesn't work that way. And as I dug into things and stuff, I mean, there was plenty uh, to work with. But I titled the message this morning, Purity from God. And uh, we got to remember that purity comes from God. It's not within us in our human nature, okay? So uh, if we want purity, it has to come from somewhere. Well, it's going to come from God. That's where purity comes from. And some of the things we find as we study God's Word, or we investigate the books, chapters, and verses uh, that are contained in God's Word, we find uh, oftentimes we'll find conviction and guidance in those verses, okay? And conviction of what we should be doing, and then also sometimes conviction of things that we shouldn't be doing. Kind of goes both ways. But God's Word's amazing because it doesn't bring condemnation to us, but it brings guidance and direction for us. That That's so wonderful. And we have a book we call the Bible, God's Word, that's a guidebook for everyday life. And this morning, Peter's going to give us some good things to put into application as we go along this path that we call life, okay? And uh, he does it in an easy-to-understand way and to help us succeed. So that's that's what Peter is doing. And I love what, uh, if, while you turn to First Peter, the, we're going to be at the end of the first chapter there, but I love what he, he says in the second chapter, uh, or the second book of Peter, in verse 1 and, and um, chapter 1, I mean, verse 13. Here's what he says. He says, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. So, almost like a parent would tell a kid, hey, I want to just remind you, you know, when I leave, do this and that or whatever. But then in, in 2 Peter again in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, now the, uh, or this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you. Of course, he wrote the first and second letter. And he says, beloved, in both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So I, what, I, what uh, I love about this is God's Spirit inspired Peter to record in writing things that God wanted us to know and remember. And I like how Peter refers to it as stirring you up or stir up. So uh, that's his purpose for writing these things to us. And uh, uh, what a good thing. So are you ready to get stirred up? Yeah, nod your head if you're ready to get stirred up. And if you don't nod your head, shame on you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's read from First Peter uh, 1, and we're going to start in verse 22, and we're actually going to go three verses down into the second chapter. But these are six verses packed with lots of meaning for us. And then I want us to keep in mind too that Peter's writing to believers 
as the majority today here would be believers, people that are already believers. So really, it could be just like Peter sent this letter to Libby Christian Church. Here's some things that you need to pay attention to. And also, we would say maybe it's preaching to the choir because he's writing this to the the uh, um, believers that already are uh, doing things of God and stuff. But it's good for anybody that hears too if we're trying to figure out how we want to be in our life, if we're exploring the things of Christianity. So let's, let's start in verse 22. It says, Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up in salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. One of the ways that we purify our souls is by obedience to the truth and having sincere brotherly love for each other with a pure heart. And this is the type of thing that we should see and we do see in God's church family. You know, the church family being all of us is people caring about each other and loving each other in a pure way. And then um, in verse 23, it says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, abiding Word of God. Remember I told you Peter was talking to believers? Now Peter, he's uh, referring to the new born-again person uh, who is bound for eternity because of the spiritual birth that came through Jesus, Christ their Lord and Savior. And that's what leads us to eternity. And that's what is referenced here, the perishable, like the grass and the flowers that grow up and then they wither and fade and fall down. Well, imperishable is that eternal uh, life that comes through Jesus. And remember, Jesus is also referred to as the Word. Yeah. Uh, but now we're ready uh, here to uh, um, think about the conviction and guidance part where we learn, I, I say, some everyday living pointers for uh, a thought thing that these are things that we can... Uh, remember that are pointed out to us and once again remember it's talking to peter is specifically talking to ones like us here in the church family but in verse uh, one of chapter two he says so put away all malice and deceit hypocrisy and envy and slander so peter's telling us 
here's five things that we need to be put away. Five things that are listed here. And who does Peter think he is? Well, God's using his Holy Spirit to uh, tell Peter what to write. And then that means that we need to pay attention, doesn't it? And it's real easy to take these words and just read right down through it and just go on and, you know, we're down in the other part of the verses and we're not really thinking about it. But when we stop and pay attention, I hope you have your steel-toed boots or shoes on this morning, okay? And if you don't, maybe if you slide your feet, you guys are in trouble up here. Uh, in under the chair in front of you, you won't get your toes stepped on too bad. But as I went through this, I realized, hey man, this applies to me. I got my toes stepped on by these things that we're going to look at. But the uh, we're, what we're going to do is take those five things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, and we're going to let the Oxford Dictionary give us... Uh, the definition of this so we got something to work with. So these are definitions. We're going to have five different slides on the words that, that Peter uses here, okay? So, uh, Terry, let's do the first one there for malice. And according to Oxford, and like I said, all these are right on the first part of the Oxford Dictionary that come up. You could get all kinds of other things, but let, for what we need it for, it gives us a real good picture of what we're talking about. But malice is the intention or desire to do evil or ill will. Okay? And with that, I thought, have you ever been tempted to do evil? Am I the only one here in the church that, hey, we're Christians, many of us, and we come to church and stuff, but have you ever tempted to do evil? Yeah. So, wouldn't it be fair to say that malice could apply to us, right? What about ill will? What about that one? Have you ever thought things like this? You're reading some of the things that are happening in the country and maybe it's the politicians or something, but it comes to your mind that I hope God's digging a deep hole in hell for that person. Now, I know I'm not the only one that thinks that because I learned that from somebody else. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names or whatever, but I know many of you here are thinking, oh no, did he hear that from me? But think about that. I mean, realistically, we, we think that, right? And is that, would that qualify under malice or ill will? Yeah, because think of it this way. What if God was that way with us? Yeah then we're all done. I would be in a hole in hell and it might be deeper than that guy I was worried about. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we got to be careful. And God, uh, in Romans, Paul tells us that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We need a Savior. And so, malice is something we got to be careful of. So when you catch yourself thinking that, hope you don't like that term too much about digging a deep hole in hell, you know, and then I get the blame for that. But uh, no, we got to be careful as Christian people. Now, the, the next thing is deceit. 
It's the action or practice of deceiving someone by concealing or misrepresenting the truth. Oh my. Oh my, oh my. Uh, We could go on and on about that. Right? Yeah. Uh, Let me ask this question. Are lies and deceit the same? Just think about it. Are lies and deceit the same? You don't have to answer. Think about what you would say in your mind. Now, this is my opinion, Deanie's opinion, okay? So, uh, I'm not a scholar. You guys know that, right? And, uh, but I think that they have some of the same elements. Lying and deception have some of the same elements but they often differ. Lies can be easy to spot or decipher sometimes, not always. And uh, uh, deceit or deception can be much harder to figure out. In fact, lies sometimes, we can figure that out ourselves. We watched what somebody said last year when they were running for office and then what they're doing this year after they got in office, nobody needs to tell us. So we figure the lie out. But a deception is harder to figure out. And it might take years to figure out the deception or for it to be revealed. Either we figure it out or it's revealed. And the devil is the master of deception. Yeah. He knows how to do it. Oftentimes we don't realize that uh, what we've gotten ourselves into until he springs the trap. And that's when we say, oh my, how did this happen? Well, we got deceived. If it would have just been a black and white lie to start out with, we could have looked at that and thought, no, no, I'm not going there. But we get deceived, right? And so, um, I'm going to illustrate this with a a story out of the Old Testament. And that's what's cool about God's Word. Some of the times we take things like this and, and we get a good picture just reading a story somewhere else in the Bible. So 2 Samuel, if you want to turn there, it's going to be 2 Samuel chapter 15, and we're going to start verse 1. But listen to this story and think about deception of what we're talking about here, okay? It says, after this, Absalom, let me give you a little backstory. Here is David is the king of Israel, King David, and one of his sons is Absalom. Okay, so that gives you a little context to what's going on here. And Absalom wasn't going to be the king after David left. It was going to be Solomon. But anyway, so just a little context there. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me. And I would give him justice. 
And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. See where we're seeing some deception there? And at the end of four years now, put that in your head, this is going on now four years later. You know, deception sometimes takes a while. Absalom said to the king, Please let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron. For your servant vowed a vow while I lived in Geshur in Aram, saying, If the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will offer worship to the Lord. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say, Absalom is king at Hebron. With Absalom went 200 men from Jerusalem who were invited guests, and they went in their innocence and knew nothing. See there? Those people went with Absalom and they were deceived. Here's the king's son, and they're just thinking he's a good guy and he's doing good things. But that wasn't what Absalom was thinking, was it? And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices he sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor from the city of uh, Gilo, and the conspiracy grew strong and the people with Absalom kept increasing. Okay? See, isn't that a good story of how deception works? And in the church family, one of the things that we have to be careful with the leadership in the church needs to be on guard of things like this that could happen even in the church family. Because sometimes deception can be a bad thing and, and uh, have some bad results. In the end of this, Absalom ended up losing his life and uh, things got figured out, but... but there was a lot of things that had to happen because of uh, the deceitfulness of that man. Um, now, let's go to the third thing. Hypocrisy. The practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. Or the one word that you could use with that would be pretense. You know, what that's talking about. But this is a big one for people that are called Christians, quote Christians, is hypocrisy. Um, Often children who grow up in Christian families see this as a stumbling block. Sometimes you might hear people as they get older say, yeah, my mom and dad said they were Christians, but then what happened at home was a lot different than what happened on Sunday. Now, my take for a simple word for this would be two-faced. Have you ever heard someone say, yeah, they're two-faced. They'll be this way or whatever. Well, that's kind of hypocrisy, uh, an easy way to understand that. And But with that, also it's fair to say that often the church gets a blanket accusation that the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah. Church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. 
I knew that guy. I went to school with him 40 years ago, and gee whiz, you know, he's a hypocrite. Well, doesn't factor in the the change that God brought into that person's life, you know, between now and then. But uh, we the uh, we get accused of that, and to to that blanket accusation as the church is uh, just full of a bunch of hypocrites. Um, I would say that, uh, um, yeah, that's right, and there's room for one more, right, when somebody tells you that. Now, don't quote me on that, please, uh, because that's probably not a, a real good answer because I'm kind of joking around here a little bit, making light of that. Just think that in your mind. But what we what we... The idea is the church is full of a bunch of broken people and we come here and God is the one that brings goodness and purity into our lives. So um, be on guard. You don't give cause to be a legitimate hypocrite. And if so, admit your error and make a change with God's help. As Peter says, put these things away. If he's telling us to put these things away, then what that tells me are these are some things we suffer with and we need to put them away. We need to start dealing with them. Um, The next one is envy. It's a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. Okay, so thinking about Envy. Ever struggle being content? Have you ever struggled with that? I think that's things we struggle with, right? I can do a real easy example. Uh, I know that you guys that have hair are looking at me and you're thinking, man, that Deanie's haircut, that must be nice. Because the wind, the wind doesn't affect it. Tell you another advantage for you guys that are envying. Uh, when I go hiking or something out in the woods, I've oftentimes been driving down the road back from my hike and I look in the rear view mirror and I see I got a tick on my head. Well, I just hit the brakes. Tick's gone, usually ends up somewhere on the dash, maybe in the the heater fan or something like that, but it's it's a good advantage. But um, anyhow, being content, wanting something someone else has or to be like someone else, uh, often that word that we, or the saying we use is peer pressure, right? Peer pressure can be part of envy or, or, or things that we think that we need. But God intends for us to be content. He intends for us to be content for the person that He made each one of us and that in that finding ourselves and the fact that God created me and some things for me to do, that we're content in that. So that's a, that can be a struggle though is envy. Now the next one is slander. The action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. Okay, and remember that's a false thing in there, a false statement. But man, don't we see that in our world today? Slander. 
Oh man. And people trying, trying to sue back and forth for slander because sometimes it can be criminal or at least civilly. There can be uh, um, things, uh, penalties tied to it and stuff. But as a Christian, we got to be careful we don't fall into this trap. Um, and then it's common too that uh, the church is slandered the church is slandered by people who say, I would never do anything to hurt God's church and turn around and scheme to do that very thing they said they wouldn't do. But slander can come in many ways and we got to be on guard of that. And the world finds the church as a target for many false accusations, doesn't it? Some of the things you hear. I, I told them at, for, at uh, our early church service here just, I don't know, a month and a half ago, I was in downtown picking up item for a person that they had got and I was transporting the pickup for him. And uh, I got talking with this gentleman that was there and we were talking and about where we came from and what we do and stuff. And I told him that I worked at the Levy Christian Church. And they, here's what the guy said. The guy said, oh, yeah, I I was told you guys... Uh, hate gays, you don't like gay people. I said, well, that's new to me. And I said, I'm one of the ministers there. But I said, no, we we love people in the community and we want to help people in the community uh, figure out things of life and and let God work in their lives. And he said, well, good. I'm glad you said that because I wouldn't go to a place like that. That was his response. But see... See the the slander and the false accusations that can even come to the church family. And if we're lucky, we hear about them so we can respond to them. Many times you wonder what's out there that we're unaware of. But Jesus tells Peter in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I always also with these things, I want to remind you that God protects his church, and he will provide for the church until he returns. That's good to keep that in our mind. And Peter helps us see these five issues that we need to work in in our lives and um, um, they're, they're good things and, and it would be easy just to coast over them, you know, like malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. It'd be easy to coast over them, but he put them there to help us. And then as we, as we think about that, and I was thinking of a list that Paul wrote. So turn, turn in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 9. Now listen to Paul's list, and think of this. Peter was writing to the Christians, people specifically, and then Paul says this, starting verse 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So Paul throws that out there, so we're talking about unrighteous people and unrighteous things that happen. 
do you do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then here's the beautiful part, he says, and such were some of you. But you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So he gives that list that we would say some negative things. And that I would say, if we put, it, if we put that out there, that many people that have been in church a long time would look at that list and say, I don't do those things. But then Peter writes to us, and look at what we find the application that I've grown up in the church and stuff. And Paul's list, most of those things are beyond me or past me. I don't worry about those things. But then Peter says, oh, look, God's looking at us and we all have some things to work on. Isn't that encouraging that all of us have something to work on? Nobody hears God it made. The only time we're going to be on top of the pile is when we're standing in heaven, right? Then we can say, I'm on top of the pile. I made it, by golly, you know? And that's going to be, that's going to be good. But Paul was calling out the conduct of the unrighteous people. And then he says, and such were some of you because some people had made changes and uh, um, I, as I thought about that, I, I thought about our Celebrate Recovery ministry that we have here on Thursday nights at Libby Christian Church. You know, uh, one thing, one of the hurdles that Celebrate Recovery has had to overcome through the years since it started in California at Saddleback Church and John Baker started that uh, is that uh, people think drugs and alcohol. I don't have a problem with drugs and alcohol. I don't need to celebrate recovery. Well, hold on. Hold on, hold on. What about these five things we talked about here? You know? Because celebrate recovery is to help people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So, we got anger issues. We got dishonest things. Maybe business practices or, or taxes and things or... Uh, lying about things, and we could just start listing lists of things. So, celebrate recovery isn't just drugs and alcohol that we're talking about. There's something there for everybody, but that's a little plug of one of the ministries in church, one of the other ministries that help us succeed. And uh, I love that. But in closing, Peter tells us in verse 3 to long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. The word of the Lord is good. Devour it. Tuck it away in your heart and mind and obey the things that we read. You know, you can go home today and probably remember one or two or three or four or maybe all five of the things that we talked about. And if one of them or some of them apply to you, ask God to help you deal with that. When that, when that uh, slanderous 
attitude rises up and you say, oh, God, I don't want part of that. You told me I don't need to be doing that, so show me how to not do that. That's what we want to do. Um, So do you need to put away some of these things? God will help you if you want to change. He won't ask us to do something that He won't help us uh, make the changes that we need to. So He's not telling us to do these things, but you're on your own to do them. No, He's going to help us. And ask Him for help and see what it's like to have victory uh, over the things that drag us down. Isn't that good? Peter, Peter gave us a good list of things that he knew people like you and I today could be struggling with or will be struggling with. And then we can help others as we find our way through it. So um, we're going to have a prayer and Rain is going to come up and uh, do the, our invitation thing uh, at the end. But uh, we want to give you an opportunity for that. But just pray along with me and let's ask God to help us wherever we need to be helped at, okay? Father, uh, you know what each one of us here today uh, is battling with. And God, uh, Peter... Uh, put some things out that it would be a lot easier for us to just act like we don't uh, have to worry about those things. But God, you know us, and you know those those issues could drag us down and cause us problems. So God, help us as we work towards uh, purifying our lives, because you help us. You're pure. Pureness comes from you. So help us, God. And um, also, we know that we can accomplish these things and we have eternity to look forward to because Jesus is our Savior. And uh, uh, grace and mercy has come to us uh, through Him. The chains have been broken because of what He does for us, God. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.